The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. G'day guys and welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Today's guest is someone that probably doesn't need much of an introduction. You probably know who this guy is. It's Doc Severson from Ready Set Crypto. Thanks for being with us today, mate. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks, Craig. You've got a pretty cool background, very similar to mine. Probably been around a little bit longer than what I have. It was a pleasure being on your show recently. It's a great channel, and uh, I suggest everybody goes ahead and has a look and listen and gets involved with Ready Set Crypto. But you've been trading since 2005 full time. Is that right? Yeah, I originally started trading around 1996 and caught some of the the tech bubble back in the late 90s, and that was that was all fun. You didn't have to be all that skilled to make money back then. And then I realized I didn't know what I was doing in a bear market and I just kind of stepped away from it, you know, backed out of the room very quietly, right? But then I, maybe similar to you, I was at a conference one day and I was working as, as a product manager for a very, very large telecommunications firm. And my attitude at the time was, well, a bad day at the conference is better than a good day at work, you know? So it was like playing hooky for the day. And it was one of these get motivated seminars. Yep. And all of a sudden, you know, we get guest after guest and, you know, guys that, you know, actually Rudy Giuliani spoke wow. and, you know, some other motivational speakers were up there doing their thing and kind of heard it all before. Mm-hmm. Right. And then all of a sudden this guy started talking about the stock market and about options and about the different types of trades that you can make with that. And I was like, I just sat right up in my seat. I was like, wait, wait a minute here. You know, this is something that I always wanted to know how to do, but I never really had the education. It was very much a feel thing for me. And I literally got up out of my seat and I ran to sign up. About 18 months later, after that, that very moment, I turned in my notice and I said, that's it, I'm done. And that was, uh, that was not an easy thing to do, that talk that you're having with your yeah. wife over the yeah. table to say, yeah. hey, guess what? I'm going to give up all my benefits and health insurance and all the stability and everything that I've built over the last 20 years. I'm going to throw that away because I have to do this. And, yeah. you know, after wiping the tears out of her eyes and everything like that, she was great, though. She accepted it. She was very supporting. And that was, uh, boy... Uh, I, I would not recommend people do that in the manner that I did. I, I certainly burned my bridges, uh, you know, lobbed a grenade at that thing uh, as I was crossing the bridge. Uh, but sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to go towards what, what you know in your heart is something that you have to do. Well, you've got to shut the door and uh, basically burn it down behind you sometimes to make sure that you don't look back. Uh, and that's exactly what you did, which is, it's admirable. It's, I mean, when I, when I stepped out, it was, there wasn't a wife and kids or anything like that for me when I started my full-time career. It was just little old me in London. So uh, a lot less nerve-wracking, shall we say, than what you had to do. Well, I was driven by, by two things. Uh, certainly, I- inspiration yeah. was pulling me towards it. But there was also a sense of desperation that was like, All we did at my office was sit in, you know, everybody had their own little office in there and you would just sit on there and fight with people on conference calls all day long. And I'm sure a lot of people that are out in the work environment still can relate to that. It's just, it's kind of soul crushing. Yeah. And you just reach the point where at the end of the day, you just don't think that you've accomplished anything or it's, it's literally hundred percent political. So I still remember those days and I can never go back. Well, so that's a, why I burned the bridge. That's well, I, I, excellent that you did that, mate, because uh, look at what it's done for you. It's done a huge amount for you. It's done a huge amount for me. 
and all the listeners out there uh, that are on their journey, just, you know, there's going to be tough times, but you know, you've got to have a good, strong reason why we talk with that a lot. Yeah. Now you talked about um, <clears throat> catching the back end of the dot com and you said that it was quite easy to make money back then. And um, we do often, I, I often relate the, the uh, dot com boom uh, to what we saw last year and what we may see again in this space. I don't think we've sort of bubbled out too much just yet. I think it'll go through lots of hot cycles and lots of bubbles just by the virtue of the fact the market is small and that's just the character of it at the moment. Um, do you see a lot of similarities? Because you were around back then and obviously you came to crypto having sort of a bit of experience having been through something similar. Absolutely. You know, it was funny because I was on a trip with my wife and my oldest son and uh, we were over in England and we were on the rail and my son would not put his phone down, you know, so I'm looking out the window at all the scenery going by and he's just like working at something so intently. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I've, I've got this crypto and I'm, I'm up on this trip right now. I started and the trip started, my account was $5,000 and now it's at 60,000. I'm like, what? And I'm like, sit down right now. I want to know what you know. And, and he was he was into wow. some altcoins fairly early on, and he was using leverage as a 26-year-old guy should be doing, yep. should be going all out with something yep. like that, because you got time on your side, you got time to fail. Yep. And I'm like, I want you to tell me. And all of a sudden, everything looks so familiar. And I started looking at these charts, and I'm like, my God, these are beautiful technical charts. There were last year, mm. right? And so, my first question to him was, all right, what's your sell point? <laughs> what's yeah. your exit? Yeah, yeah. What's your exit? Which is, you know, Being nobody bad. wants to hear that. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear that. Everybody is like, well, I'm, I don't intend to sell. I'm going to hold it until whatever. And all of a sudden, everybody's clawing back that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that statement from there. But uh, we, we sat down on the rest of that trip every time that we could. And we, we said, all right, let's, let's make this happen. You know, let's... Uh, let's start trading together. Let's start. I was always looking for a way to, to go into business with him, but yeah. six months later, he put in his notice. So, you know, father like son and oh, uh, awesome. we're working together. And when, when was that? Like, I mean, how long ago was that when he, when he sort of was getting into it? That was the summer of 2017. Yeah. So quite honestly, I mean, I had not been exposed to anything in cryptocurrency. I'd heard about it and I'd seen some yeah. Bitcoin, you know, you can pay for this with Bitcoin sort of thing. But, you know, if you've been in the trading environment, you're able to pick up this stuff very, very quickly. So it's just a matter of like, okay. And and that's my bent on it. I don't get into the religion of, well, what do you think about this coin? I'm like, I don't know. Show me a price chart and I'll tell you what I think of that. Exactly. Coin. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Chart to chart, right? <clears throat> yeah, a chart's a chart. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just a uh, green candles mean up, red candles mean down. Exactly. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. That uh, you sort of entered into this market around the same time as me. It's pretty, you know, it was a pretty intense learning curve as far as learning what to ignore. Uh, from my point of view, um, you know, you go into a whenever I trade a new market, and I've, I've traded like you many different markets. Um, I always go in and sort of watch for a little while. Just learn some characteristics. Is there anything that I need to be aware of? I started looking in July. I started investing in July, uh, just buying a little bit here and a bit there, not trading it per se. Um, and then by, I think it was end of October, early, uh, sorry, end of August, early September, I was actually in there using leverage um, and, you know, getting my hands dirty as a trader effectively. And, you know, what, what really sort of confused me was, you know, it seemed to be that the, um, the, 
the weight of somebody's opinion was based on how many followers or subscribers they had on YouTube or Twitter or something. And it's like, oh, but he's got 300,000 people that are on his tube. It's like, it doesn't make him a good trader. It just means that he's good at getting people's attention. <laughs> so that That's, was really interesting for me. If you think about it, all right, because when, when I, it's funny you mentioned that because I've noticed a lot of the same things. Now, when I, when I joined the professional ranks in 2005, Anybody that was trading options or futures or any kind of derivative at that point had already gone through sort of the beginning of the food chain and had worked their way up to that level. Yep. So they'd already had several years of usually stock experience or Forex or anything like that before they got to where I was into. So I was dealing with people that had learned a lot of things and maybe just needed a little bit of help putting things together. Yep. But when I started dealing with and working with actual crypto customers, what I found was that because of the financial crisis that happened 10 years ago, there's this gap where nobody touched any kind of financial investment. Yeah. Because look, if you're, a, if you're a millennial, do you think you would trust the stock market? Well, that's Not the thing. Is your, right. yeah. No way. So all of a sudden they had something that they could actually call their own and start investing in. But then instead of actual principles of investment, which have not changed over the last 200 years, right? Everything's exactly the same as it was 100 years ago yep. when Jesse Livermore was trading. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the same thing. All of a sudden, they're inventing their own principles through Reddit or whatever. Yeah. And that's, that's where I said, wait, time out. That, that's not going to work. Yep. No, I'm with you on that. It's, it's, and you, you brought it up. I mean, I've, I've talked about it before with, with plenty of different guests about the fact that, you know, if you look at the demographic that is millennials, um, that's an opportunity for, for savvy people to invest in them. However, you can invest in them, whether it be offering them the products they want, investing in the same markets they wish to work with. If you understand what they're like, they're, they want everything now, they want it quick, they want it efficient, they want it on their. In their, in their palm. They've grown up with social media. They're quite tech savvy. They want 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Crypto is exactly the market for that. We don't have to stop. We don't have to wait. And these are a huge voting demographic, one. Uh, and they've got money. They're starting to get into that out of university, you know, into the workforce, professional jobs. Um, you know, they're, they're early or sorry, mid, mid twenties probably is a sweet spot to, to, you know, end of the twenties. So they're professionals, they've got money. This is the market they want. And this is what's been fueling it now. It may just be, and this is what I see. And this is an opportunity that I sort of picked up on early on is that if they continue to have an interest in this, they'll drive the change over the next decade because that's what they want. That's exactly right. I, I was asked last week, I was talking to uh, a gentleman that's in the space who's really smart. His name is Lior. And he was I think asking I've got Lior on Friday. I think I'm interviewing him Friday. <laughs> oh, do you? He yeah. is, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever talked to. He is, he's phenomenal. So, he, he asked me a question. He goes, why do you think this is going to be around in five years? You know, is this just going to be this little thing, this bubble that just pops and just goes away and becomes a nice footnote in the memory someday? And yeah. I'm like, no, there's no chance of this because the people that are driving this right now are in their 20s and early 30s, right? Whatever you want to call them, it doesn't matter what you call this yeah. demographic, you know, millennials or whatever. But do you think that they're going to trust the existing system that let them down to this point, that put them in a hole? There's no, no way. There's not a chance that they're going to do that. They're going to invest their time and, and their resources into driving this thing. They will go right around the existing yeah. financial infrastructure and say, you know, 
heck with you. We're going to do it our way. And it's going to be built around blockchain and crypto. This is theirs. This is their generation's contribution and they will embrace it and they will use it. So I'm not going to get in front of that. I'm not going to sit there on top of my throne and say, well, that's not the way we used to do things, you know, like, no, no, I see change when I see change happening. I love disruption. I love watching the temples burn when it comes to that stuff, you know, because disruption is where the opportunity is. Absolutely. And it's, there's opportunity. There's also a lot of, um, I guess with opportunity also comes risk and we, we need to be aware of that. Everybody needs to be aware of the risk that is uh, in an emerging market. Now, you know, investing in crypto is one thing, <clears throat> choosing a crypto that's going to be around or a blockchain company or a crypto asset, whatever you want to call it. That's another thing. And I think that, you know, a lot of people have done their dough, um, you know, from where price obviously was to where it is now. A lot of people are down, and and, and I, I look at that and they, you know think to myself, but so was I when I first started trading. I blew out three accounts. You know what I mean? Like three thousand pounds at a time when I was twenty one, twenty two. That was about what well, it was about three dollars Australian to one pound back then, roughly. So that was that was big money, right? I, I, I it hurt. Um, but what it did was it taught me things. I took that as an education. Looking back on that now as the best thing I ever did was to lose at the beginning because it taught me that risk management. So how people invest is one thing. How people trade, if they decide to trade, is another. But what they take from these lessons, are they going to be a lesson or are they just going to shut the door and walk away? I think that's the really big thing right here. And it's something that the space needs is a maturity around understanding that you're not always going to get it right. And markets don't always go up forever. You'll never learn a thing off of a winning trade. It's a, it's always the losses that generate the yeah. gold. I mean, it's like, it's true gold. It's, it's right there. It's trying to tell you something. And, you know, those that, that don't just write it off and they say, well, what, what can I learn from something like this? Oh, that's what that guy was telling me about. All right. I get it now. Yeah. It's sort of a rite of passage. I mean, I hate to say it. You know, I, I, I don't want anybody to go out there and blow an account out just to say, well, you got to do it because that's a rite yeah. of passage. Everybody does that. But it, unfortunately, it's the truth because a lot of times everybody comes to this space and thinks that, well, all I got to do is read Reddit and I'm all set. It's not like that. You, you truly yeah. do have to learn it from the ground up. There's still an education to be had, absolutely. And there there was that get rich quick last year because it did happen. And the years before, if you were in very early and you had the vision or you just got lucky, that's great. But turn your luck into something more and build on that. So what what would your best piece of advice really be other than blow out an account (laughs) to to, to people that are, they might be in this space, they might not be, but they want to start trading. What would you say is is a good thing for them to learn? What, one way or another, you're going to learn the two rules of risk management, one way or the other. The first rule that I always talk about is never enter a position without first identifying what your exit is, whether that's a stop loss or whether that's a target. Don't put a position in and say, well, I'll just figure it out as I go along, yeah. or we'll see, or just trail a stop. Nope. You've, you've got to know where you're going to punt on the position. You've got to know where You'll either thin out or add or do whatever you're going to on the position, but don't enter a position first without defining your exits. And that alone, that sounds so easy, but it's so difficult for people to do because they emotionally invest themselves into a position. The second thing, the rule number two that I have of risk management, and this took me a while to learn too, and I see this violated everywhere, is this is an old one. Don't risk more than 2% of your account on any one position. 
And I, and I see this like with like BitMEX is a great example. They encourage you to lever up, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. Use 50 X on this position, which I think is insanity. It's like, if you want to blow out an account, go ahead and, and sign up and, and rip away with your leverage. But those two things, if you can just do those two rules, if you can apply those two words, you're trading. So trade in small chunks, first of all, you know, that's rule number two. Rule number one is to find your exits ahead of time. You know, and like yourself, Craig, if you're a futures trader, if you're used to using a bracket right off the mm. bat, you're defining your exit, right? Mm. And so some of the things that we apply towards this business will end up helping you one way or the other. Yeah, effectively, you know, plan your trade, trade your plan. And then right. you've, also, you've also got the other side of that, which is manage your risk. And I, I couldn't agree more that they are, they're the same sort of principles that uh, we stick to as well and talk about frequently. And look, in all honesty, you know, anybody who's worth their salt in trading is going to say the same thing because they are the real lessons, but they really are. They are the things that you must master. I don't care how you trade. You just got to manage your risk and you've got to know where you're getting in and out, which is managing. Yeah, but nobody wants to hear that. that. That's the problem because what people want to focus on is, well, tell me, tell me what is going to happen tomorrow, first of all. Yeah. That's, and I, I've got a saying that's out there, you're, and, and nobody wants to hear this again, but you know, maybe somebody will hear this someday. It'll rattle around inside your skull and it'll make sense. But my, my expression that I, that I tell people is you're needing to know where the price is going to be tomorrow will dictate the amount of time it's going to take you to be profitable. So the more you need to know what the price is going to do tomorrow, the further you are away from profitability. We're not in the business of predicting the future, and it takes a while for people to understand that. We're trading price action. We're not predicting the future. We're applying probabilities towards the trading. We're not predicting the future. Yeah, it's not, it's not very sexy to say that, but it's the truth, isn't it? I mean, yeah. people often, they're like, what's your strategy? I want your strategy. And they think that just by having the strategy, they're going to have success. And it's like, no, there's a strategy for applying to charts. There's a strategy for managing your risk. There's a strategy for taking your screenshots and following up on your trades. There's a strategy for keeping yourself as a variable that doesn't change and shift around too much. There's, it's not just the strategy to apply to the charts. There's an entire human that needs to make the right decision every single time. And people forget right. the human element to trading. It, it, it is just in this, I mean, what I do anyway, it is human discretionary trading methods. Just because it's a great trade that sets up, if my portfolio is already fairly balanced, I don't want to take on any additional risk. I've hit my risk limit. I won't take that trade. Or, you know, everybody's different in how they do it but you've got to have a way to do it. I think people miss that. They just focus on the, what's your strategy? What's your strategy? And, and they, they gloss over the rest, you know? Yeah, I, I'd actually go so far as to say that trading is at least 90% mental. Oh, yeah. And when, it, when it's 90% mental, you can't force yourself to be disciplined. You can't, and what a lot of people have found, I found out this myself because I, I, I couldn't explain why I was doing this. I would have my trading rules in front of me, I'd have them stapled to my forehead, I'd have them inked into my forearm, and I still would violate the trading rules. And that is what happens when your subconscious mind kind of overrides. Yeah. You know, if you're not comfortable with a risk on the trade, your subconscious mind will step in and try to save you. Yeah. And that's like somebody, Craig, you could give somebody your strategies right now today and say, here you are, here's the gold, right? Here are the leads, you know, and these, these will make you millions of dollars. 
you could give them to people and they would not know what to do with them or they would not follow them correctly. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's your experience. It's your experience over the years that have led those rules to become profitable so that you can get that edge. Yeah, it, it's exactly right. And you can have the strategies, but you've got to work on yourself at all times. And that's the constant thing we've got to be doing as traders is basically getting to a point and then staying there. We don't have to keep on reinventing the wheel. That's the thing, you know, you don't have to, oh, why don't you add this? Why don't you add that? I'm not adding anything. This works. I'm not adding anything. I, and people say, what do you think about this? And what do you think about what this person says? And I'm like, look, honestly, without, you know, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I don't look at anybody else. And it's because I've got what works for me. And it's taken me a long time to get to that point. And I've been there for a while now and I don't have any intentions of worrying about what anybody else is doing because guess who makes my decisions? Me. Yeah. It, it's funny you mentioned that because there's a, there's a gentleman by the name of Bo Yoder that was around maybe 10 years ago. I think he's uh, gone down to a hedge fund now, but he came up with a six, the six stages of a trader that basically walking you through from somebody with zero experience to somebody that's a master. And what you described as stage four, where a lot of guys get stuck in, and it's called the squiggle trader syndrome. Mm -hmm. And you can recognize these people by saying, hey, Craig, what if I added one more study to this? What if I added the, the Woody CCI or I saw the Arun oscillator and I wanted to add the Arun? What do you think about that, Craig? One more study. And next thing you know, their charts look like, you know, I think you described yeah. it last week as what? Turkey's flying in a hurricane. Turkey's in a hurricane. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. crap everywhere, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it, you know, that, so to me, the, the more experience somebody has in trading, the less it's going to be on their charts. The, the cleaner and the more direct the information is. Because if you can look at price only, it's right there. Price yeah. is telling you what is going on. If you can just read price, you got it nailed. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So look, first thing, sorry, to end it, I wanted to sort of touch base and sort of see, obviously we've had a, a pretty rough 2018 as far as the market goes. There's been plenty of opportunities for shorting if, if, if that's the way people trade. Um, but 2019 and where we are right now, sort of back end of 18, what are your thoughts? I'm not asking for price predictions or anything silly like that, but what are your thoughts as to what the market may do for the next month or two or whatever duration of time you think? I, I've studied a lot of bears. I've I've lived through a lot of bears. They're never easy. And the reason is because the linearity of a bull market, everything is very linear. Everything is sort of, it's got a rhythm to it. You know, you'll see breakouts, consolidation, breakouts, consolidation. You can almost set your watch by them. And it's all very linear. It all makes sense. And this is why people get so complacent and, you know, overconfident during a bull because it's like cranking the wheel. Yeah. And all of that goes out the window in a bear. All of a sudden, nothing makes sense. So one of the first questions I get from people that as they learn to trade, they say, hey, can I take your strategy and flip it upside down and use it to the downside? No, you can't because the price operates completely differently during a bear market because price takes the stairs up, it takes the window down. All of a sudden, it becomes very non-linear. So that's uh, it's kind of a long-winded way of saying that a lot of the character is missing to the downside. So what I usually see during a bear is you get to the capitulation stage. So actually, we haven't quite hit that yet. Capitulation stage normally comes where it almost looks like it just drops off a waterfall with really super high volume. That's where people yeah. just say, 
you know what? I've been holding for the past year. I'm sick of y'all. I'm done with this. You know, you see people walking out the back door out of every chat room that's out there. Yep. So that has to happen yet, and it hasn't quite happened. So we have to have that one, that, that release. And it's going to feel horrible when that happens. There's going to be every article that's going to be out there, you know, trumpeting the end of cryptocurrency, right? Yep. So it, it, it will test everybody that's listening to this. After that, we're going to be in the base building mode. And that may take several months, yeah. but it's going to be a trader's paradise because you're going to get volatility up, volatility down. You're going to get people all excited, and then they're going to get let down. They're Despair. going to get people excited again, then they're going to get let down. And that's finally when you see the, like, all right, I can't take this anymore. And then it will take off with the disbelief rally when nobody's on board. It will quietly, and everybody will say, "Well, that's a sucker's rally. You can take that one. So we may be looking at somewhere six months to nine months or something like that before that happens. But you can't trade the market that you want, Not only the one that you have in front of you. So uh, what I'm looking at is minimizing my time frames right now, trading the noise, yeah. trading the patterns that are happening. You're not seeing them on the daily chart, but if you zoom in, you'll see them on an intraday. I'm, I'm with you. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful piece to end on. But before we do end, Doc, thank you for a start. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure hosting you. It was, it was lovely being on your show as well. And speaking of which, you want to tell the audience where they can find out more about you and what you do? Well, there's a couple of places. First of all, you can go to YouTube. If you go out to the Ready, Set, Crypto YouTube channel, and we're almost at 100,000. So we're looking for just a few more uh, to subscribe. And we're putting out a lot of content on there. And it's very different content. We are not, uh, we're not your typical shillers out there. So we try to take a very different perspective on things. So I, th I think you'll be surprised if you check out that YouTube channel. And of course, there's our website, which is readysetcrypto.com. We have a number of, of services that are out there for people if you need a little bit of help. Excellent, mate. Well, um, look, have a very Merry Christmas if I don't speak to you before. And I'm hoping that I get to knock off in the next few days. So I probably won't get to speak to you and a fantastic 2019. Let's keep in touch, mate. Uh, I enjoy talking with you and I think we, uh, we speak a very similar language. Yeah, thanks for bringing me on, Craig. It's always a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks very much, guys. Have a great day and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast is hosted by Craig Cobb. All Trader Cobb courses, products, and tools can be found at tradercobb.com because experience matters.